This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome in Lake Kick is Live. It is Tuesday night, November 9th, the year of our Lord, 2021. No trophy November tonight. That's what the theme of the show is because, well, they don't give them out in November, although there's a lot of credit given out in November. No trophy November. We will discuss in more detail coming up. We are obviously jam-packed. It's a Tuesday. We've got predictions. We've got a JP poll tonight. We've got some comments on buses to talk about. We've got pressure to talk about. And we are high atop downtown Nashville, Tennessee to do it all. As I said, we got some games to predict tonight. We're going to hit uh, Texas A&M Ole Miss. Uh, we're going to be at Baylor this week. So Oklahoma at Baylor we're going to discuss. Listen, Georgia football, I wanted to hit this a little bit tonight. There's something coming for them. Opportunity, namely, is coming for them. But there's something else in the mix. You're not picking it up right now. And I don't think the flyover sort of national college football apparatus is going to pick up on it until or if it actually happens. So we're going to discuss that tonight because we kind of want to get ahead of the curve. I got two more added best bets to add on to the Ramen Noodle Express. And man, some stuff that happened after we thought we had the show together. Director Colin... Uh, producer Jesse and I, you know, we've been talking all day. We felt like we had a good, solid show. And then, as is usually the case, when you feel like you've got the show put together, some random, grainy, dark video on a bus surfaces at like 2.30 in the afternoon, 3.30 in the afternoon, depending on time zone, and you say, well, we got a new lead for the show. So I'll tell you what I'm talking about in just a second if you haven't seen it. you got to make sure you're following on Twitter, at LateKickJosh. you got to make sure you're following on Instagram, also at LateKickJosh. Today, for instance... We uh, revealed on the Twitter.com that we are endorsing Will Anderson for Heisman. This is a huge endorsement. This is like in politics when you get the Teamsters on your side. This is the endorsement that I cannot be convinced otherwise Devontae Smith needed last year to win the Heisman. When we endorse Devontae Smith, that is when he spread his wings and he started to fly. Ironically, a Philadelphia Eagles player now. And this year... For the first time since I can remember, Colin, we are endorsing a defensive player. Look, I think Will Anderson's the best college football player in America right now, and so that's why we are endorsing him. Now, we have remained mum on this, but as of today, we've seen enough. We need to see no more. Will Anderson's our guy. Now, you need to understand something. Just as we did with Devontae Smith last year, we were very neutral until we took a side. And after we took a side, we defended him like he was one of our children. So as of tonight and moving forward, we will defend Will Anderson on this program as if he is one of our own. Welcome to the fold, Will Anderson. We have adopted you, and we will put the entire might of this brand behind your Heisman campaign. Probably going to fall well short because you play on the wrong side of the ball, but we're going to try nonetheless. Uh, the Late Kick Extra podcast is out today before I dive into the show. And the reason why I want to remind you, even though judging by the charts, maybe I don't need to, but I need to remind you because there is a just a horrific, nightmarish travel story that I don't have time on this particular show to talk about, but I did on the Late Kick Extra podcast. 
So make sure you check that out. We're right ahead of Tom Brady's podcast right now. So as usual, you know, the competition between Tom Brady and I, it's been ongoing for a long time. It's just been something I've had to deal with. Sometimes Tom gets the upper hand. Sometimes I get the upper hand. He's not so different. You know, I would tell him that we're not so different, you and I, Tom. Uh, but the Late Kick Extra podcast includes a really juicy couple of stories from this past weekend in College Station. So check that out anywhere you get your podcast. Let's dive into tonight's show, shall we? Bo Davis is a defensive line coach at Texas. Texas is not good at football right now. They can't finish games. They can't close a second half to save their lives. And they keep blowing leads. And if you're a winner, you don't like that. It doesn't really sit well. And now they're struggling to try and make a bowl at Texas, which is something that would have been unheard of just a month ago when they were taking Oklahoma down to the wire. Well, things have gone sideways for Texas, okay? Now, that's not breaking news. We've seen that happen. But after this last loss to Iowa State, you probably had it go out of your mind once the broadcast ended. It's 30-7, to 7, shame on Texas. They were up at the half. They blew a lead at half again. Same old song and dance. And then you go and you watch other games. But here's the thing. Uh, in the real world, if you're on that team, you got to mope around your locker room and you got to clean things up and you got to pack your stuff up and you got to get on the bus and you got to go to the airport and you got to travel all night. And so that happened for Texas this weekend. Now I'm going to play you in just a second some audio. And Director Colin and Producer Jesse have sweat stains under both armpits of their shirts right now because they had to feverishly work all afternoon to edit this video. And the thing's only 45 seconds, so you ask, what, what are they? I mean, are they talentless? Do they not know what they're doing? Why would, it, why would it take so much effort and exertion of energy to edit a video? Some of you have seen the video and you know exactly what I'm talking about. For those of you who haven't, and if you're listening on podcast, you won't lose an ounce of the effect here because it's, it's a video shot on a bus at night by someone who is soft, softer than Charmin, who shot this video, by the way. Pathetic. That's its own story that we'll talk about in a second. But I'm going to play for you video, and I want you to remember the context. Texas has just been beaten soundly at Iowa State. They are 4-5 and five at the time of this recording. They're probably headed back to the airport, and some folks are taking it better than others. This is Texas defensive line coach Bo Davis. Let's roll the tape. Earmuffs, kids. It's real. Some of you need to get in the transfer portal. You want to go? Get in This ain't a game to me. And if you think it's a game, get the off of this bus. I got my ass kicked. And you want to laugh? This real. You think it's a joke? And some of you do transfer Not a good trip back to Austin the other night for some Texas players. Some took it harder than others. Some didn't care enough to where they actually recorded a coach, telling a lot of folks on that bus and the surrounding buses what needed to be said. Takeaway from this, a lot of you asked what I thought about it. Here's what I think. College football, or you know what, let me just start over. Football in general is a violent sport. It is hard to play. It is a sport that is not made for everyone. Everyone can watch it. Not everyone can play it. It takes a hard mentality, and physically, it's just hard. 
And even though it's been sanitized for commercial use and it gets really dressed up before it gets put out there for public consumption, the sausage still has to be made. And behind the scenes, that kind of stuff occasionally leaks out into the public. Occasionally, the public gets the curtain peeled and they get to see back there. And I always laugh because when these sorts of things occasionally leak out, you know, the Orgeron video a couple of years ago, this video of Bo Davis, you get one of two reactions. There is no in-between. You either get shock or you get shrug. The shocked people are the people who probably didn't grow up in locker rooms, they probably didn't play sports, and they have no idea that this world exists. They just see the post-game interview where everyone's lovey-dovey and everyone's speaking the talking points that have been pumped into their head. They don't understand that's the real world, that's the subculture, that's locker room that you're not supposed to hear, but you do hear. The other side shrugs because they did grow up in locker rooms and they are competitors that are around that kind of environment a lot and they look at that and they listen to that and they say, is that it? I thought this was a big deal. I was told about this video. All I hear is what I used to hear on a random Wednesday in high school. So that was Bo Davis and that was his talk. Bo Davis came from Alabama. Bo Davis is not used to losing. Bo Davis is a winner. Here's the thing about winners. They can sniff out a loser really quick. And here's the bad news. Texas has got some losers in their locker room. I didn't say it's a locker room full of losers. I said Texas has got some losers in their locker room and winners sniff them out. And they got too many of them there right now. They've got that mentality that we've talked a lot about on this show. The winner, the winner out there and the winning teams out there, if you find a winning organization, they got a bunch of what can I do for the team mentality in the locker room. At Texas, they got a whole lot of what can Texas do for me in their locker room. And it's painfully obvious and that coaching staff saw it when they walked in. The good news is I believe that collection of coaches can get it right. I do believe that. That's the good news. There is uh, another side of that coin. The bad news is I don't think they can get it right with the folks in their locker room currently. And I think they know that. And when you got a coach screaming, some of y'all need to get in the transfer portal in a lot more colorful language than that, that's not spontaneous. That's not off the cuff. That's the kind of stuff they've been saying in their meeting room amongst themselves for probably every day since they got there and did a healthy observation of the organization. Here's the core issue. And this is going to be an issue for a while for Sark. It's a process, but at Texas and places like Texas, it's a process that a lot of people are not going to have time for because they've been misled. They've been misled, quite frankly, by recruiting rankings and a misinterpretation of what those recruiting rankings mean. They think the pieces are there. That's why they don't have patience because they got told by their favorite preview magazine or they got told by the 24-7 sports team talent composite that the talent's there. And Preview Magazine culture told him the expectations there, and he's got the pieces. He being Steve Sarkeesian, he's got the pieces to work with, and therefore it shouldn't take long, guys. Well, talent is not the only name of the game here. You gotta have it. Talent is a prerequisite, but there's some other T's. There's toughness. They don't have it at Texas. There's tenacity. They don't have it at Texas. Then there's some other things like attention to detail, uh, just the entire mental aspect of the game. They don't have it. You got some folks who focus on ball. You got some folks who focus on brand. And there are too many brand types at Texas, not enough ball types. And you've got to overturn that locker room. Now you can start to do it by the kids you bring in via recruiting. And I'm sure that they're trying to do that, working 25 hours a day in order to try and do that. You can also not so subtly force some kids out and try and trim the fat via the transfer portal. But the problem is that takes time. You cannot do that week to week, month to month. That's a year to year thing. And right now they are where they are. And Bo Davis is looking around. And like I said, he came from working for Nick Saban. He came from a place at Alabama. And Sark, for that matter, has been at a place for a couple of years at Alabama where if you lose a game, scratch that. If you just fail to cover and you win a game, 
the entire state's miserable the following week. And I can guarantee you the football complex feels 10 times worse. And it's like an existential crisis that you're not going to go home and sleep until we get this thing fixed because of. And at Texas, you just got loss after loss after loss piling up. And you got some folks in the locker room okay with it. To put a finer point on it, I'm not saying everyone's smiling. I'm saying the moment that you accept anything less than winning, you are a loser. By very definition, you're a loser. You can't make it at this level. And you can't make it at a place like Texas under an administration like this one. And so that's standard. That's one guy that's used to a standard that's a lot higher than the one that most people think they need to meet at Texas. Bo Davis, love him. Loved him at Alabama. And Bo Davis is a guy who had the game taken away from him for a little while uh, through things that were his own doing. To be perfectly clear, I'm not painting Bo Davis as a victim. What I am painting him as is Pate State material. Bo Davis can come coach for Pate State anytime. The Freights could use a guy like Bo Davis. So could Texas. Texas needs a whole lot more of that. And to anyone who knows anything about who recorded that video, you can reach out to me anonymously. I would love to know. I know some people out there think the person who recorded that is no longer in the house anymore to begin with. I don't know that. I have no clue. I have not seen the forensics on that, but I sure would love to know. So if you know, I'll keep it between us. The DMs are open on Twitter, at Late Kick Josh. I'd love to hear what you have to say on that. So go Bo Davis. That's what I'm saying. We stand with Bo on this program. And I would imagine Academy Sports does, although I have not spoken to them about this. So let's not take this as a, a tacit endorsement of everything that came out of Bo Davis's mouth. But I guess through the transitive sponsorship rule, if Academy stands with us and we stand with Bo Davis, I, I can't imagine they hate it. So let me just put it that way. Now, as for what I'm actually supposed to tell you, do you know that the weather's changing outside? Did you know that? I know that. Even though we cannot, for the life of us, find a way to turn the air conditioner down in this very studio, if we step outside or open a window, we've got all the cool air we need. What does that mean? Well, if you dress like a hobo like me, nothing. But if you're a normal person, like I'm told a majority of our audience is, you need long sleeves. You need jackets, you need sweaters, and they've got it at Academy Sports and Outdoors. Don't be spending $200 on stuff that you don't really need and don't really feel like you look great in anyway. Just go spend what you need, do it at Academy, help the show out, help our friends at Academy Sports and Outdoors, and buy stuff you actually care about with brands you actually believe in and you know you actually have some emotion invested into on instead of whatever else you're going to try and put under your Christmas tree this fall and this winter. Look, Academy Sports and Outdoors, I tell you every time we speak to each other, they have taken care of this show above and beyond what even I thought possible when they initiated contact with us several months ago. So we will go over the cliff for them because they've gone over the cliff for us. And it's kind of a partnership here to where it's just understood with our audience. I'm not going to shove 47 different brands down your throat. There's one and that's it. We cut it off. We cut the spigot off after one. Academy Sports and Outdoors, if you need your tailgating supplies met, if you got some things on that list for Saturday that haven't been checked off yet, Academy Sports and Outdoors. And if you can't get there in person, this is the beauty of it. Down here, there's an academy on every street corner. Maybe if you live in, where are we going to go tonight? Casper, Wyoming? Yeah, first time, I think, that we've ever been there. Maybe there's not one in Casper, but you got internet in Casper, and academy.com is there for you. And at that point, let UPS or FedEx take care of the rest. So Academy Sports and Outdoors, your one-stop shop for literally everything you could ever need if I know our audience like I think I do. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's continue. we got some games to predict coming up. We've also got some best bets to add to the Ramen Noodle Express. Feel really good, guys. Feeling really good after last week. New strategy, new results. I like where we are. But let's talk about Georgia for a second. There's some stuff changing with Georgia. You may look around and say, doesn't look like it's changing to me. Looks like they started off dominant and then they continue to be dominant. And from what I can tell, they're still dominant. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the results on the field. But there's something building the undercurrent of the program, not the part of the program maybe that, like I said, the flyover national college football media types recognize and talk about a lot, but if you're on the ground, you know, if you're in Ackworth, Georgia tonight, or you're at a Waffle House down in Vidalia tomorrow morning, this is the kind of stuff you talk about. And what you're probably talking about is, this is our best shot we've ever had to win a national championship. And you know what? As the folks in Vidalia and Ackworth tend to be, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. And you know what that equals? It equals pressure. And there is pressure immense in nature building around the Georgia program, even though, like I said, the flyover national types don't realize it right now, but there's more pressure on Kirby Smart right now than you could ever imagine. Kirby Smart already tends to be wound a little tighter than most, and so when you look at him right now, they're an overwhelming number one, and they're blowing folks out, yet he still looks like he's about to freak out at any second on the sideline. Well, number one, it's because he's different, which you have to be. Number two, it's because he knows exactly what I'm saying right now is true. He puts it on himself. Those coaches put it on themselves. It seems weird, though, what I'm saying right now, and I know it does. It seems weird if you're just a casual college football fan and you don't follow Georgia any closer than just watching them on Saturday and then you watch them next Saturday, but you don't keep up with them during the week. Sounds like I'm talking negative about the program. I'm not talking negative about Georgia at all. This is not a negative. As I've said many times before, it's such a privilege to be able to coach under this kind of pressure. I mean, this guy on this monitor over here that 
we are um, apparently fortunate enough to have now that we didn't used to have at the old place. He gets that. I mean, he, he wouldn't want to trade places with anyone else right now. That's not a negative. Pressure's not a negative. It's a negative when you're like Sark at Texas right now. There is no postseason pressure. You know, there's pressure to make a bowl game over there. This is pressure to win a title. Okay, Kirby Smart's all about that. That's why he took the job. That's why they hired him there. That's not a negative. What I'm just trying to reemphasize to you is there are some positives out there that are illusions, but they can play mind games with you. And what I'm talking about is this. You think about where Georgia football is and has been for several weeks now. Because weeks turn to months, and the weeks have now turned to months with Georgia. Started out where they opened against Clemson, right? And Clemson was favored. So Georgia hasn't even been favored in every game they've played this year, but they beat Clemson, and defensively it was an emphatic performance. And so they beat Clemson. Ever since then, they've been up there. They've been either two or one in most polls, and now they're number one. So Georgia starts to get a lot of credit after that Clemson win. And over the next several weeks, they climb to number two or number one in most polls, and then the weeks turn to a couple of months, and you get blowouts. And then you get some players being added to award watch lists. And you get a lot of love, like I said, in the polls. And then here come the playoff rankings. And we've got love in the playoff rankings. And people are not only telling us we're number one, but they're talking about how big a gap there is between Georgia and then the rest of the country. All that's happening right now. Nothing about that's bad inherently, but you got your bowl projections coming out. Georgia's going to play this team in the semifinal. They'll play this team in the national championship. Here's the mind game that plays on you. If you're not careful, it makes you feel like you've accomplished something. It's not worth anything. I don't care if that is 10 gallons of water that just got poured out of a giant bucket. If there's a hole in the bottom of the apparatus that is used to receive the liquid, you don't have anything. Nothing got caught at the end of the day. Bowl projections aren't worth anything. You don't win anything because of that. They don't give you a trophy for being ranked number one in October. But the mind game comes into play when all of a sudden you get to December and you realize, wait a second, it feels like there's been so much positivity, but I just realized something. We're playing Alabama this Saturday. And even though I think there's a big gap, and even though everyone's told me there's a big gap between us and Bama, we're favored by four and a half. That number doesn't look big. Guys, what if we lose Saturday? Or here's the worst one. What if you get in a semifinal game against Ohio State and you lose? Do you realize how quickly and how violently things change around the Georgia program and the perception of Kirby Smart, how quickly and violently it changes? Because all of a sudden you go from thinking we've never had a season with this many accolades heaped on top of us and this many positives spoken about us. You go from that to over the span of four quarters and three and a half hours realizing this team accomplished less than the 2017 team did. For all the special nature that we thought this team had, it accomplished less. So that's how quickly this can change. And that's how little all the stuff that's adding up in the regular season matters. Georgia's doing what they're supposed to right now, but they're taxiing. You know, if you're at the airport, they pull you away from the gate. You don't just go up in the air. You taxi for a little while and you get in line and you wait your turn. But eventually when you got those bright white stripes on the runway and you see them under you, you know what that means. It means you're clear for takeoff. And when they open up those throttles full speed and you're on that runway, you're just sitting there and everything's got to work. Because at that point, you're going too fast, you can't slow down, and you're about to take off, and you just hope everything's in place, and the nuts and bolts are in place, and those wings and flaps are at the proper angles, or else, well, you crash. I don't want to speak that into existence. I fly a whole lot, but that's what would happen. Look, come December, they're going to open that throttle up. There is no more taxiing. There are no more pretend accolades. It's time to play for the real trophy. And that's still a few weeks away, 
But unlike the other things that are kind of fantasy world and it really doesn't matter, it's not tangible, there's nothing in your trophy case because of that, here's the reality. When you get to that point, you get to the playoffs, there's no more margin for error. And the reality is Georgia is currently in a 41-year national title drought. And the reality is they are ripe with talent in a year that's never been more tailor-made for them to win a national championship. And they know it. Everyone from Valdosta to Clayton, they know it there. I'm from Georgia. My home is Georgia. I know good and well what people are thinking there. Everyone believes it's their year. How do you argue with that? Nationally, everyone believes it's Georgia's year. And that's all well and good. As long as it becomes Georgia's year, it will be the stuff of legend. The guy who finally wins a national title at Georgia for the first time since a lot of our audience has been alive will be an instant legend there. I'm just telling you, if it doesn't happen this year, and those folks are convinced, as am I, that this could very well be the best shot they've ever had, and maybe, for all we know, will ever have to win a national championship with the rest of the landscape void of other elite teams, you have never seen the perception of a program and a head coach so violently shift in the snap of a finger like it would if they were to go down in the playoff. So I'm not saying that to be negative. Again, it's a privilege to get to this level to deal with that pressure, but you cannot imagine the pressure on Kirby Smart in Georgia right now. It feels so calm, it feels so serene. You're watching them just cruise and you can't tell, but underneath they know it. In the state of Georgia, they feel it right now. So it is gonna be white knuckle city when they get to the SEC championship game and then really when they get in the college football playoff cause they'll be there regardless, unless complete disaster strikes between now and then. You have never seen a program under more pressure than the Georgia program will become playoff time. For the sake of my hometown brethren, I hope they get it done. I really do, because uh, the alternative, I'd probably just stay in Nashville for a while. I probably just wouldn't even go home. Let's continue. we got some big games this weekend. We are looking forward to this. So we have been to a couple of places a couple of times on the Renaissance Tour this year. We have not been to Waco, Texas, and that's where we're headed this Saturday. Oklahoma headed to Waco to face Baylor. Last time I was in Waco... It was not something to write home about. I had a blowout on I-35, but this time things are going to be better. I already got a hookup with one of you. One of you fine folks have come through, and so we are going to rectify the rental car nightmare situation. One of our friends at Enterprise has come through in Dallas, so we're not worried about that. And I'm, I'm having them triple check the tires before we ever head out of Dallas. But we're going to be in Waco Saturday. Find someone who loves you half as much as we love the big noon kickoff on Fox. I love it. I love it disproportionate to pretty much anything else in my life. And that's what time this game kicks off Saturday, 11 a.m. local time, noon Eastern. It's the first time we will have seen Oklahoma since they went into the bye week. And so what has the talk been around there? Well, I guarantee you it's probably had a lot to do with starting fast. You know, Texas, they struggle in the second half. Oklahoma's been struggling in first halves. The difference is they got the horsepower to rev the engine in the second half and they can actually take a lead and come from behind and win against maybe some more inferior teams. Well, Baylor, you know, Baylor offensively poses about as balanced a threat as Oklahoma has seen so far this year. Baylor, meanwhile, you know, you talk about the external on the Oklahoma side of things. Baylor, this qualifies them as being in wounded animal mode. They went to TCU last week. TCU threw everything, including the actual kitchen sink from Gary Patterson's house. They threw it all at Baylor. And they got a 30 to 28 win, I believe was the final. Baylor, equals wounded animal mode. Oklahoma coming out of the bye. Do they stumble like Alabama did last week or do they get shot out of the cannon? A couple of external factors. I don't really know how to quantify what that means, but just a couple of externals to keep an eye on. Here's problem number one for Baylor. Their secondary is vulnerable. 
We saw it last week against TCU. And we also know that for some of the flaws this Oklahoma team has, it's probably the best core of receivers and combined with quarterback that Baylor will have seen or will see all year. And that doesn't necessarily spell doom, but it does mean you got to execute at a really high level, a much higher level, especially in the back end, than you did last week against TCU, but also makes it imperative for Oklahoma to take advantage of that. And that goes back to what I talked about, the theme having to be around this program, the fast start. Got to have a fast start. Because if you got a vulnerable secondary, but your receivers aren't really torching them and you're not really making big explosive plays through the air, it doesn't really matter. That's just a vulnerability you didn't expose. Here's the big problem as I see it for Oklahoma. Outside of Oklahoma State, which is probably the best defense in the Big 12 right now, outside of the Cowboys, Baylor's moved the ball pretty consistently against every other defense they've played. And as much as we're talking about vulnerability on the back end for Baylor, you can fill in that same blank, but you can put the Oklahoma Sooners logo there. They're not, I won't say just as vulnerable. I won't say it's an apples to apples, but relatively speaking, that's where Oklahoma can be had too. It almost makes me lean towards an over here. The totals at 62, 62 and a half. There it is on the bottom of the screen. I don't do a whole lot of totals. I feel like I may move on this one. And if we move, obviously we want it before it gets to 64, a very key number in totals. Couple of good running backs for Baylor, couple of good wide receivers. It's gonna be a really balanced attack. So both have to have an imperative fast start. But the other thing is, remember last week, I go back to this because I think it's really huge. Remember last week when we talked about Alabama coming out of the bye week and we talked about how, hey, for better or for worse, this product Bama puts on the field, albeit against LSU at the time we thought an inferior opponent, we're going to know a lot about what they're made of and what their consistency will be down the stretch based off what we see in this game. Well, Bama was bad the other night. Nick Saban himself said that team didn't look like Alabama in a lot of areas. Well, now Lincoln Riley gets his shot at Oklahoma. They know that they've underachieved relative to their standard, but they still got a zero in the loss column. And so they get to go down here. They're not making a play at night. They get Baylor in the opportune time for Oklahoma. They get them really, really early in the day. And this starts a stretch that will define Oklahoma season. It's probably the four, I'm going to say four toughest defensive tests that this offense will have faced all year and that Caleb Williams will have faced all year. They're going to Baylor, facing Dave Aranda and his defense. His defense. You're facing Dave Aranda and his defense. You've got to take on Iowa State next week, one of the best defensive programs in the Big 12. You've then got to go to Oklahoma State and face pound for pound what I think is the best defense in the Big 12. Then you're probably going to get one of them in the Big 12 title game. I have my doubts that Oklahoma can go 4-0 against that stretch. It's going to be tough to go 3-1 against that stretch. I'm just putting it out there. So, They've got it to do. Let me just put it that way. Let's take a look at what the model thinks here. Oklahoma is a five and a half point favorite at Caesars right now. And the model looks at this and the model thinks still a little low. The model likes Oklahoma. It has Oklahoma minus seven. So I went back and forth a couple times on this. And I ended up going with the model here. And I think it's going to be a late situation. Don't think it's a pull away early situation, but I do think there's a little extra flex on the back end of this game for Oklahoma to where it's kind of a dogfight, but there are enough margins on the Sooner side of things to where they win it and then they end up covering kind of like a seven or a 10 point game, something like that. So I'm going to take Oklahoma to win. I'm going to take Oklahoma to cover, but it's not a game I'm going to put my money on because I don't have confidence in Oklahoma like that yet. And I also fully respect what Baylor will be capable of Saturday, again, being in the aforementioned wounded animal mode. 
Going to be a fun game to be at, though. McLean Stadium, first time we've ever been there. Looking forward to it. Another game that I wanted to hit right quick tonight, and then we're going to do best bets, and then we're going to get out of here. Man, those fools aren't even releasing the playoff rankings until after the show tonight. Horrible programming decision for ESPN. Horrible. I don't know when these folks are going to realize. Do like Texas. If you're going to leak an expletive-laden video, do it early so we can get it on the show. Don't do it at 9 o'clock at night like Dan Mullen the other night. Dan Mullen did the worst thing in the world. You may think, oh, getting blown out by South Carolina is the worst thing in the world. No. The worst thing in the world is waiting for us to get off air and then firing Todd Grantham. Fire the coaches. I don't have a problem with it. Whatever. Just do it. Just have respect for the show, please. Just have respect for the show enough to get rid of guys who should have been gone quite a while ago at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I just don't get what's so hard about it. All right. I digress. Let's get back on track here. Texas A&M on the road right after beating Auburn. And Texas A&M is going to Ole Miss this week. This is a 7 o'clock Eastern time kickoff on ESPN. Remember, we were this close, this close to Texas A&M totally grabbing control of the SEC West last week. And I still don't think half the people realize it's like when you read in the paper, <laughs> for, for all dozen of you that still read the paper, or if you look online or you see an article that says, hey, FYI, a couple of days ago, a comet passed with an X number of miles of Earth, and you didn't even know about it. I think still a lot of you don't realize, had LSU held on to beat Alabama, had they scored in one of 15 chances they had the other night and beat Alabama, A&M would control the West. That's how close we were. A&M still has a shot. Bama's got to lose one more game, and if A&M wins out, then they go to Atlanta. Here is not the problem, but here's the issue. It's not going to be easy. Because you're looking on your screen right now, and if you're not, let me just inform you, Texas A&M's less than a field goal favorite Saturday against Ole Miss. This is going to be a tough game. So if they keep winning, it's possible. Who knows? If Ole Miss keeps winning, anything's possible. But I'm really interested to see how Texas, or te Texas A&M uses last week. That's the kind of game, that Auburn game, in the past that we've seen teams use as a springboard. And I felt it. Felt it afterwards around A&M and this kind of week. I felt it around the program. I think Jimbo Fisher exited that game with a little more confidence maybe than they had entering it. I think they felt good out of the bye. So forget about after the game. I think they were confident before the game. But I also felt some synergy. I think you don't have to have been there. I think you watched it on TV even. You felt some synergy building around that program. So what I want to know about A&M as it relates to the Ole Miss game is will last week's offensive game plan work this Saturday? To be clear, last week A&M had to do the bare minimum offensively. They ran the ball well. I think that makes three consecutive games where they've had over 200 yards rushing. No one even scored an offensive touchdown last week. Defense was the name of the game for Texas A&M last week. And they just did enough offensively. Just don't make the crippling mistakes offensively. Well, listen, if you're going to shut Ole Miss down like Alabama did earlier this year, then that's great. And you can afford to play that way again. But I think we need to take a little bit closer look at what Alabama was able to do. Because on the surface, you may think, well, if Bama did it, we got the better defense than them this year. So if they executed that blueprint against Ole Miss, certainly we should be in the realm of at least being able to put up something like that too. Well, it depends on how Ole Miss starts the game. Because if you remember the context of that Alabama first half shutout of Ole Miss, they had two things go their way. Or they forced two things to go their way. Number one, Ole Miss going forward on fourth down several times and Bama not allowing it. That's number one. And then number two, Bama made them pay for it with explosive plays through the air offensively. I don't doubt that A&M is capable 
of standing tall on third and fourth down against Ole Miss. Sometimes that stuff it has some variance about it over the course of one game, but I don't doubt they can do that. What I do wonder is if they can take advantage and you turn on this game and it's 13 or 17 to nothing Ole Miss early in the game, or 13 to 17 to nothing A&M. Have they taken the early lead? Because if you do that, then obviously you're having it shape up as that kind of game. What you don't want to see is you don't want to see Ole Miss happen to convert on a couple of those early fourth downs, which they absolutely could do. In a given game, just one or two plays, there's no way to forecast how that's going to go. And if they do that and they pop you early and it's them up 10 or 14 to 3, then you're having to ask Zach Calzada and you're having to ask that offense to do something you didn't have to ask him to do last week. To me, that's the great unknown about this entire game. Who has to play out of their comfort zone more? And if it's A&M, I'm not telling you they can't do it. I'm just telling you, if they end up winning that kind of game, it would have been for much different reasons than we saw last week. I've had an internal fight all day with myself and with the model because the model and I disagree hard on this thing. In fact, I actually sent our guys, I sent producer Jesse my pick on this game earlier today. And then I flipped on it. And I texted him like an hour ago. I don't even know if we got the graphic made, but I'm going to tell you what it is. So let's take a look at what the model thinks first off. The model is drunk on Ole Miss. The model just loves Ole Miss. So the current line is A&M minus two and a half. The model just flat out rejects it. It just spit on it. It thinks the wrong team is favored. The model actually has Ole Miss winning by two and a half. It's closer to three, actually. I put two and a half, but it's closer to three. The model has Ole Miss at over a 70% cover probability, which is an astronomically high number for this late in the year in a conference game. And I'm telling you, I just disagree. I really think that what's happening, let me explain why I disagree, not just flipping a coin here. What I think's happening is I think that our model is ingesting what Texas A&M has been early in the year. That's all it has to go on. And what I'm about to say is born out of gut and it is born out of intuition. I don't have numbers to back this up. I really feel like there's some synergy with this A&M team right now. And I also feel like what they were, which is again, the data cluster that is taken into account by this model, I don't necessarily know if that's the best representation of the team they're going to put on the field this Saturday. Also, this is the time of year where depth becomes a lot more paramount. And while we do factor that into the model, I don't know if it's quantified quite to the degree when you stack all these things on top of each other that it should be. So I do think the right team is favored. And whereas earlier today, I lazily sent producer Jesse and director Colin, uh, Ole Miss will win. Let's just pick Ole Miss. I was riding the model. I'm going to argue the model. I'm going to backhand the model. It's been really good to us. I normally lose these battles. Uh, but I got to go with what I actually think is going to happen. I think Texas A&M is going to win, and I think Texas A&M is going to cover Saturday. And if they do, that keeps the pressure immensely on Alabama, and it keeps this bright marquee around the Iron Bowl uh, coming up later in November. So I'm going to take Texas A&M to win. The model disagrees. One of us is going to be right, and I can assure you we have just set this prediction up to where no matter what, the show will be able to claim credit. Speaking of games, though, that we are going to bet on, and thank you, by the way, if you're watching live. Let's just uh, say hi. There we go. Let you know the show's live there. Uh, let's take a look at two more added best bets on the Ramen Noodle Express, and then we'll get out of here. So I've already given you four of them. To reiterate, Central Michigan minus three. I think that game is tomorrow night, so uh, make sure you get on that one because... Uh, you don't want to wait and then, like last week, miss our first two winners like some of you did. I got some, some very sad emails. So Central Michigan minus three, that's tomorrow night. The rest of these games are on Saturday. Penn State at pick. You could even get Penn, Penn State plus one right now. So we love it either way, obviously. Texas Tech plus 10. 
There's some 10 and a halfs out there, so take that one. Miami minus two and a half. We like it at three. We wanted it at two and a half for obvious reasons. But those are the four we've already been on. Here are the two new ones just released on Twitter in the last few hours. You already got these if you're on Twitter at Late Kick Josh. Central Florida plus seven and a half at SMU. We are taking the Golden Knights, the Fighting Gus Malzons, getting seven and a half. And for the third consecutive week, and we're 2-0 and so far doing it, we're taking East Carolina. This time they're giving us some points. They're at Memphis, East Carolina plus six. So East Carolina plus six, Central Florida plus seven and a half, Miami minus two and a half, Texas Tech plus 10, Penn State pick and Central Michigan minus three. Thank you so much for watching. I'm gonna go get in a much cooler room than the one I'm in right now. And I'm gonna check out what these playoff rankings look like tonight. And I had, I had a long kind of, I guess for lack of a better term, diatribe about this on the Late Kick Extra podcast this morning. And the question was good. I'm not going to reiterate it now. You can go listen to it. But the question was, how come we watch these ranking shows? And so often, the committee member claims that there's all this data and criteria behind it. But then when they're pressed for an explanation, they just say, oh, it'll work itself out. Well, that's not a valid explanation for why a team is where they are in this very moment. And I have a theory on that. And I laid it out on the podcast this morning. So I would encourage you to go listen to that. It's available anywhere you get your podcast. And hey, for that matter, this show will be available in that podcast feed tomorrow morning. So thank you so much for watching. Make sure you're following Twitter and Instagram at LateKickJosh. And subscribe to the channel, why don't you, while you're here. 78% of you are still unsubscribed. It's free, so subscribe to the channel. Uh, we got to go. we got to get out of here for producer Jesse, for director Colin. I'm Josh Pate. Thanks so much for watching. Have yourselves a great rest of your evening. And God bless. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.